Roll up, roll up, playoff predictions are back. It's been a while since we said that phrase. Um, Jolon loves it when I pull out the predictions. Uh, but fortunately, he's not the only one making predictions, as we have a few of yours as well. Um, Las, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights are the first dudes to clinch their playoffs. But today we're looking at those Twisty 20, are they in? Are they out? It's a bit like the hokey-cokey fourth and fifth places. We're looking particularly at the West, at Central. Plus all this also, there's room for a lot of movement in the East. And we're also talking about a drafting nightmare, perhaps, as the OHL season is cancelled. And also, man crush of the week. Well, perhaps man crush of NHL history. In the words of Gary Bettman, Anyone mentioned in the same sentence as Gordie Howe is pretty much a legend. Let's play some music. Let's get talking hockey. I'm Claire Freeman, and uh, with me is my trusted co-host of at least two and a half years, Jolan Kemp-Walker. And you'll be very pleased to note, uh, we also like to talk about what are you wearing today? That's a very different <laughs> podcast. But Jolan... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you subscribed to my sub-podcast that I do. <laughs> Jolan is not wearing any Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. merchandise. Is that because yeah. they're doing well or not well or... Uh, uh, no, it is purely that I'm doing this straight after work and I am in my work attire. And while I would quite like to bring in Maple Leaf Fridays or anything like that, then I can't see that happening in my uh, in my workplace. It's very nice you give me such a big up considering I turn up to this podcast recording half an hour late as uh, as so often happens during our two and a half year relationship of doing this podcast. So the <laughs> fact that you've stuck with me this long and not benched me and traded me off to some other hockey podcast <laughs> is a miracle. <laughs> so um you know it's interesting you say about like jerseys wear your jersey to work I remember a couple of years ago when I worked in an office there was like wear your sports jersey to work obviously you know like you make a charity donation and yeah. it's so weird isn't it in the UK when you see somebody else wearing an NHL jersey like yeah. you feel like automatically you should be friends but actually they probably got given that jersey and, uh, and they yeah. have no idea who the team is I had that one of my colleagues funnily enough came in um and he was wearing because I don't know about you but I find as a as a hockey fan in the UK I find that I immediately just like any other hockey fan in the UK so if I see a fan with another team's jersey I'll instantly feel like there's a bond there because yeah, we both like exactly. NHL. And um, whereas perhaps, obviously, if you know, if you if you live in a country where the sport is bigger, you would only really find that link with people who support the same team as you. So anyway, my colleague comes into work the other day and he's wearing a, an Arizona Coyotes cap. Ooh, and I'm wow. like, hey, I've worked with this guy for like, well, best part of a year, 18 months. And we've never talked hockey instantly i'm like right well i like this guy and i'm gonna now get to know you better and i said ah oh, amazing cap and i said what do you think about their uh the season this year do you think they'll get to the playoffs and he went oh i picked it up at a charity shop i was like oh no heartbroken i was like not only am i now not going to have anything to talk to you about 
B, also, you've just kind of like crapped on my sport. Like you've just said you pick, picked a cap up off the charity shop. That's devastated. On, on the upside, yeah. um, I mean, we met because you were wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Had you not been wearing that jersey, I wouldn't have known that you were a uh, you know, fan of the NHL. So there's that. Was I we- yeah. So w- was, I, was I wearing some kind of like Toronto Maple Leafs? Yes, because I was working at night shift, wasn't I? So, and to be fair, night shift. And so was I. And I said to you, "Hey, you've got my team's jersey on. We should be friends." And then, and that's how we got chatting. But I actually did that at the gym as well. Um, You know, gyms are back. All that in the UK. Woo. Um, and a few months ago when the gyms were back for the first time or the second time, who knows, yeah. a guy walked in with a Philadelphia Flyers jersey and I did that whole, oh my God, I'm going to put my station next to him. I'm going to chat <laughs> with him. Fortunately, he is an actual Flyers fan. So, um, Good. you know, Good. this can work sometimes, but we would be uh, advised caution as to going up to strangers in the street and thinking that they're your best friend. And hey, um, you too, you too could find somebody else who supports the same hockey team as you, start a podcast with them and spend every Tuesday night waiting half an hour for them to turn up. You yeah. too could have that privilege if you just start that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? This feels a little bit like... Um, Imagine you are St. Louis Blues right now and okay. you are chasing for that spot, I'm, I'm that still playoff hung over spot from in the, the West. I'm, yeah, I'm still hung over from the Stanley Cup if I'm the St. Louis Blues. But go Well, on. more difficult. So you are so close, right? You've got yeah. some injuries. You didn't do much in the trade deadline. Your goalie, Jordan Binnington, has been a bit up and down this season. Yeah. Uh, you've got a really tough run ahead of you for the next few weeks. You were heading into three games against Colorado, four against Minnesota Wild. And let's just say that both of those teams are on four game winning streaks. And you need to chase a player spot. What happens? Colorado calling COVID protocol games postponed. Gutted. I mean, also like, you know, we've been talking about this staggered start to the playoffs um, some of the games being re- rescheduled for like the middle of May. I mean, it's actually really interesting just looking on the NHL schedule about when different team seasons are due to finish. Yeah. And um, St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild, actually, as it stands, their last games are the 12th of May. So that's pretty late compared to other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, obviously, with St. Louis Blues having this game postponed against Colorado. I'm not quite sure what that means for Colorado and also St. Louis Blues, whether they're looking likely to have more uh, games heading into mid-May, maybe that third week in May. So that's really changed things. I think it gets a little bit more complicated as to, you know, we were worried, weren't we, about Vancouver Canucks and how that was going to affect the North Division. Um, But in actual fact, um, I think you'd probably be a bit more concerned if you were Colorado, Minnesota right now, because they are looking like that they're pretty much set to get in the playoffs. And you would hope to have that week break before you line up to boom, go straight into your playoff race. I mean, I have to take it back, right? What I said something in uh, last week's podcast. Yeah, I was saying to you as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I was a bit peeved off yeah. that Vancouver got this extension Oh my God, we, you know, the guys in the North have to play more games and we don't get a break and we have to go straight into the playoffs. Actually, at the moment, to, um, Toronto's last game 
is finished uh, pretty pretty early compared to other teams. Um, Vancouver's last week is playing Calgary, a three-game series against Calgary. I would pretty much say that my money would be on Calgary and not making the playoffs. So in which case, I take my comment back because it's kind of null void if you've got two teams who pretty much aren't going to go to the playoffs and they're still playing the regular season in that last week. But who knows? But you... it makes it such a difficult thing to call. And that's why I thought, yeah. you know, when, when you were writing that tweet out earlier about who, you know, who are in and around those playoff spots and, you know, quite rightly, you left the North off that list because it is is pretty sure on those four teams that are going to make it. However, I did look and we're going to look in more detail at the other ones, but probably the, the last bit we'll talk about with North now is that you look at Montreal and the form that they are on at the moment and it does not look good yet. They do have still a fair few games left to play. Calgary go on a little bump of recent weeks and you think, well, they look quite good. And actually you realise that even Vancouver back, okay, now they had a they had a great win at the weekend against the Leafs, didn't play particularly well, but got the points. They're on 38 games played compared to Calgary's 45. And so then when you look at a points differential of four, it suddenly looks a little bit different when you've got to factor in five games because essentially all you've got to do is take them to overtime. Even if you lost every one, you would you would basically go over the top of Calgary in that scenario. But I don't necessarily think Montreal can be 100% confirmed into that fourth spot in the North because if Calgary go on a run or even, I mean, we have heard stories like this before with Vancouver and you know the way that their season has gone and what they've just been through and the way that they seem to galvanize themselves into playing on the, on the weekend if they went on a run and put together a couple of wins can you imagine the kind of feeling in the room of them against us and kind of let's go and prove to them that well all these people who said that our season didn't matter and we were out of the playoffs let's go and prove them wrong and they were a tough team in the playoffs last year and if they can harness that spirit it will be fascinating to see that run and to see whether they can heat up the pressure on the Flames and therefore on the Habs as well. And while I think we can probably say that North is set, I think a few results could go a few different ways and we could be looking at an interesting one. Yeah, see, I suppose in my mind this week, uh, I kind of held on to what I've been saying the last last few episodes. I've been watching more games around in other leagues, because I think the story is a little bit more interesting yeah. around that, that, those yeah. situations. Um, I mean, I, I look at Central and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the chase between Dallas and Nashville at the moment. Dallas are hot on Whoa. the heels of Nashville. And actually, you know, Dallas did what they needed to do at the weekend. They had a couple of games against Columbus Blue Jacket, which were much win. They needed to be regulation wins to bag clean four points. And they, and they did it, right? And they're on a, a three-game winning streak. Um, I think they're, they're kind of on a roll at the moment of four games with Detroit. Um, one of those they had last night, which ended up being in a shootout win. But you don't really want that when you've got eight games out of 14 days. I mean, after Detroit, no. they've got two against Carolina. They've got um, a game against Tampa. 
Um, and the big game, which I've kind of highlighted as one to watch in your diary, is Saturday the 1st of May, which will be against Nashville. I oh. think seeing those two teams, both of them don't want to, they need to get the job done in regulation. They yeah. need to not take that game to overtime. It'll almost kind of cancel out if it goes yeah. to overtime, I think. Um, so that's kind of highlighted and one to watch. I think... Um, it's... But and there, just to be clear to to people who perhaps don't follow those teams, but they're rivals. I mean, they are they are rivals anyway. And you know, from talking to Matt, who's a regular on this podcast, you know, he has no you know positive feelings towards the Nashville Predators on a best of times. But you know, to to see that race and to see Dallas heap up that pressure again, they've got three games in hand over Nashville. And okay, three games in hand is nothing unless you get points from them, but you have got a point swing of three, three games that all it takes is three overtime points and you are neck and neck and you are coming down to those games, as you say, Claire, between each other. And yeah, absolutely. I think for the rest of the season, I'm going to start trying to pick those games where there are those key playoff battles because you get a little bit of a playoff kind of preview and you get to see that playoff intensity. Whereas watching some other teams, they know they're in and it's not as uh, intense. I mean, I've got another one to watch, um, which will be for the East as well. Um, but I just kind of say about Nashville, um, just having a little read around because I I didn't really hear very much about Nashville in the trade deadline. Um, they did do a trade uh, on D. Uh, they got Eric Gabranson. Um, ironically, like he just had that their, their him and his partner had had a baby six days previously before he then gets called out. And has Whoa. to fly out to go and play for Nashville. So he leaves, I think from it was where? somewhere, Canada, I want to say. Ottawa, maybe. Somewhere, somewhere oh around there. God, can you imagine that? Having to cross the border at the moment. And six days old, you leave your son behind. Um, but what's also interesting is um, Nashville have just upped their capacity for fans by 33%. Uh, so they can yeah. now have 5,700 fans. I think that's going to be a big difference. It's going to really, you know, gear the team up a lot, isn't it, for those yeah. home games, what they need right now. But also the GM, um, forgot what his name is, David, David something. I forgot his first, second name. Anyway, I was reading an article and they were kind of asking him about his moves in the trade deadline and whether he really felt that his team has all the pieces it needs to go on a decent playoff run. And his comment was, I think it's reaching for it to say that we're a Stanley Cup contender right now, which I was kind of floored by. Um, but he said that they're a good team. So David Poyle. There, David there you Poyle. go. Right. So I kind of thought that was interesting that your own GM said, I'm not quite sure we're ready for a decent, like, you know, stint as a contender. But essentially, he's got to say that because only a few weeks ago, he was out there touting the fact that anybody on his team was for sale and he and they were going to be trade deadline sellers. And so, you know, he he is a GM and it was it was very widely reported that Nashville were going to be the big sellers this trade deadline. And of course, it didn't happen because they went on that run and they've now gone into playoff contention. But you can't as a GM go from saying, yep, pick whoever you want apart from like one or two players to then saying a couple of weeks later, we're a Stanley cup contender. Like you can't because it just makes you look a fool for 
two weeks ago thinking that you were going to sell all your assets and rebuild or, or retool a little bit. So I think he's probably playing a little bit of a game where he's think, well, actually, we're doing well. I've now stuck with this team. So what I'm going to ultimately say is, all right, well, I'm not really sure that we're quite there yet. Prove to me. Go and prove me wrong. And he's going to hope that the reaction that he got from rumours being out about Predators players on the trading block that galvanised that team and got them going mm. is going to then continue and keep them going. And I, who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if he was saying that with a thought of thinking, well, if the players take this as a bit of a kick to get them over the line, then that isn't such a bad idea. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good shout. Um I mean, they've got six games out of 14, six games in the next 14 days. Or they, or was that two, as of two days ago, they had six out of 14 compared See, to Dallas with eight out of 14. So that, that's the thing when you look at, you know, when you look at these runs, because even six in 14 is not, you know, not particularly pleasant, but, you know, it's, it is doable. And, but at this time of the season, you know, you're going to have some banged up bodies and things like that. The, the difficulty is, and the thing with predicting standings at this stage is you always assume the teams who are higher up will just win all their games. So you yeah. kind of look to see how the swing is going to go. When you're playing that much hockey at this time of the year, you are not going to win every game. Like Ottawa beat the Habs 4 nothing at the weekend. Like Ottawa. Like they just beat them 4-0 and shut them out. And you then have Detroit beating Tampa the other day. And you think these, you know, those are ones you can never predict. But in in essence, you've got to predict that a team is never just going to waltz their way straight through to the playoffs at the end, which always gives that chasing pack hope that while destiny may not be entirely in their own hands, if you as a chasing team continue to rack up the wins and rack up the points, there is always a chance because those teams will slip up and those teams will have off nights. And it is impossible at the moment to play at 100% and win every game at this time of the year, particularly those teams who know they're in the playoffs and have half an eye on that. I think, you know, that's it's interesting you say that, you know, because we had a message from Abby um, who's a Chicago fan, and she did want to point out that Chicago still have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Um, And the next two games for Nashville are against Chicago. Uh, However, she did predict that, in her words, Trashville will be going through. Um, So, yeah, I think, and also looking at the the people who they've got ahead. So those two games against Chicago – uh, two games against Florida, one game against Dallas. That's who Nashville are are facing. You could argue, is that a bit of a tougher run than Dallas playing Detroit? But Detroit took them to a shootout win and Dallas had to play more games. So I think for me, that one, I feel like it's a coin toss, really, yeah. between Dallas and Nashville. You know, a bounce of luck here, a bounce of bad luck there. It could go Goalie going way. on the streak. Like, totally. you know, you, you watch you watch a game and a goaltender just plays lights out incredible and is unstoppable. And both, you know, Pecorine, for example, is, uh, you know, I'm not 100% across how Pecorine's season has been. I know he's sharing the net with Saros, but, um, but you know, he has he has playoff caliber and he has been a he has been somebody, a goalie who has performed at the highest level. And there is nothing to say that, you know, look at Braden Holtby at the weekend has had a terrible season, really, by his standards. And then on Saturday, coming back from the COVID break, stands on his head and beats Mm. the Leafs almost single handedly. And you think, well, 
any goaltender of that caliber is capable of doing that. And who knows, Jay Cottinger for Dallas could do it. Pecorine could do it for Nashville. And well, all it takes is a couple of games and you're in. It's interesting looking at the goalie situation that in my deep dive waiting for you for an extra yeah. 30 minutes, I went far too detailed in my <laughs> research for this podcast. I'll take full blame for that. <laughs> but um, Dallas are so deep when it comes to goalies. They have, what, yeah. four or five? I mean, I know Ben Bishop is injured, but Kudobin, Ottinger, brilliant. Pecorine has not really had that great a bounce this season. Just looking no. through, he's um, played 23 games so far this season. He's got a 0.902 save percentage, but he's won nine, lost 12. Um, so, nine, where is it? 9 12 1. So, it's. Was UC Saros then? So, his must be better, you would imagine. Uh, please hold the line and I will Sorry. find out Apologies. for you. Um, but I'm surprised by Rene, actually. Uh, he's yeah. he's one of those goaltenders that has always had the reputation of having one great year, one bad year. He's a bit like a uh, Bobrovsky. Like he's always, you know, he's a Vesna winning candidate or he's a Vesna candidate one year and then the following year he looks awful. And I have a feeling we're in a downward year. He's also, you know, he's actually he's actually a, a lot bit, better than uh Rene. So he's played yeah. 28 games. So yeah, you're right. They pretty much shared it quite equally. Mm. He's on a 0.928 save percentage. He's won 16, lost nine. Um, so mm. in technically in better form than Rene. Um, but, but you're I, going, yeah. you're going into that. You're going into that with at least two goaltenders you trust because they must trust him if they're playing Rene in that many games. And mm. history would suggest you're right to trust him. And uh, yeah, going into that. I mean, for Dallas, Ottinger is a. You know, I was asking Matt earlier on today for a fantasy hockey-related question, but I was asking him, you know, whether Ottinger is going to be uh, kind of the Dallas starter. And he was saying, well, actually, it's a bit strange at the moment because they seem to be going on kind of just riding the the hot goaltender. And even if it means them playing in a back-to-back, they will do it. Like Ottinger played two nights running in a back-to-back um, and had a run. And then um, Udobin played a couple of games back-to-back as well. Um, so they do seem to be riding whoever's hot for them. Ben Bishop is the is the kind of mystery joker card to play, although it sounds like he might not make it back in time for the playoffs. And even if he did, you know, he's been out a very long time. And is he likely to, or are they likely to want to put him in when Ottinger's played so well and Odobin had such a good playoffs last year? But you've got so many goalie wildcard potentials in that kind of fictitious series between Nashville and Dallas in these final few weeks that, um, that yeah, they're going to score goals. Um, Tyler Sagan's another one, you know, he's, he's been on IR all season, um, but, you know, is skating with the team and could potentially come back in time for the last couple of games or the playoffs. So it's a, it's a, it's such a, such an interesting race, that one. And uh, so great that we've got an insider in uh, Matt Day to follow blow by blow um, how that will go. So hopefully we'll get him on the podcast maybe next week and uh, see how his nerves are holding up. I think we need to get a Nashville fan. I'd be very intrigued to hear if there's a Nashville should, fan. Should we just have a week off and just put them two on next week? <laughs> <laughs> Find a Nashville fan and go, sorry, Matt, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we're off now. But bye. <laughs> We're off to yeah. just, you know, relax before the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cruel. And that's so going to come back and bite you on the ass. I so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, just before we round off Central, I think the other thing that is interesting is seeding as well. You know, I'm not quite sure 
how all that kind of works. I haven't even looked that far yet, but you look at the points difference right now between the top three at Central. Yeah. 62 points, Tampa. 63 points, Florida. 63 points, Carolina. All between 44 and 46 games played. Very tight. Will be very interesting to see where the seeding finishes. I hope Carolina are sitting there with two games in hand and they're sat at the top with 63 points. I, I would be really chuffed for Carolina if they could keep hold of that first spot. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. And they've got, you know, all of those teams. The nice thing about that is, and it is the case across most of the divisions, just having a kind of a quick scroll through, but um, most of the divisions do at least have those kind of seedings to play uh, to play for. And that does make a huge difference. Like if you're, if you're Carolina right now, do you want to be playing an insanely hot Florida team or Tampa Bay? You don't want to be playing either of them. Or do you want to play a team that has battled their way thick and thin over the last few weeks and scraped their way in, in either Dallas or Nashville? Well, I know which one I want to play. I know, I know the upset can happen, but I'm, I'm 100% choosing to play Dallas or Nashville out of that choice if I'm Carolina. So my incentive is absolutely there to win these last few games to make sure that I'm top of that tree at this point um, because I do not want a first round game against either Florida or Tampa. Yeah, just looking actually, um, Tampa and Carolina play each other tonight. So that will be, again, really interesting. And they've just shared on their, um, their Twitter um, how close the power play is, goals against game, shots for game, shots against game, goals for game, penalty kill. And they are literally like within 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 of differences. It's mm. actually incredible how close these guys stack up against each other. Sorry, Claire, are you are you allowed to score in a power play? I just wanted to check that. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's been I wasn't how many? Sure. 44 games now, 40... I, I think I missed that rule change where you the the opposition team did lose a player, but you weren't allowed to actually put the puck in the net. You're allowed to get really close. You're allowed to hit the post, but you're not actually allowed to put the puck in the net. I wasn't aware of that rule change. But For obviously, those people Toronto who are not Toronto up. fans, it's just we're having a moment. But I mean, it did come to an end, kind of, by the weird, is it a goal? Is it not a goal? It goal didn't come to an by... end. We're like two for 40, Claire. It doesn't come to an end until we score six on a night. Unbelievable. It, anyway, it was, a, it was a bit embarrassing. Digress. Digress. Um, let's look at the East, okay? Because the East is interesting for me. Again, Sorry, I mean, you, mean, you mean the mass mutual East? The mass mutual East. I don't I, like. I mean, it's really weird. What is Mass Mutual? I mean, I, I guess it's a financial services it's company. Yeah, it's got to be. Also, I'm like, what's Discover? I don't know. It took me long enough this week to work out that Bally Sports is basically what Fox Sports was because yeah. the TV channels have changed. How many times were we all googling or looking on Wikipedia to say who were Bally Sports? Interesting as well. Bally Sports are a betting company, which just shows the type of kind of swing of power of gambling coming into the game Mm. i mean the fact that they you know you've got something like fox sports which is a very traditional broadcasting name associated with all sorts granted but um (laughs) it is a traditional broadcasting name being replaced by essentially bet 365 league or bet 365 tv or whatever um it's uh 
yeah, very interesting how that is changing and they are moving into those markets. And it just shows, it gives you a little idea of how much money there really is in that kind of gambling side of the sport that the NHL is only really just starting to get involved in. Mm, anyway, sorry, aside. Space. Yeah. So East, okay. East, if we look one through to five, Washington, yes. New York Islanders. I Pittsburgh think Washington Penguins, are going to make it. <laughs> Boston Bruins, New York Rangers. I have actually labelled one to watch um, a, a few games, uh, a three-game series actually between Washington Capitals and New York Islanders again mm. to decide. Is that, that currently New York Islanders sixty points with a game in hand? Washington are sixty-two points. So actually, that three-game series I think is really going to be crucial, and that's coming up. Uh, it's this week actually, twenty-second, twenty-fourth, twenty-seventh of um, April. That will be really interesting. Just looking at the top, the fact that they're no, okay, we, we kind of see these. there's three teams here, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, Washington, that are probably fairly certain, we would say, are going yeah. through. But in what order they land at the end of the season, I think will be very interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, Boston is the fascinating one in this. I mean, they have got two games in hand over both the New York Rangers below them on 52 points with their 56 and two points in hand over the Pittsburgh Penguins above them on 59 points. So you would think that if Boston won those games in hand, which again, you should never assume that they're just going to win them, but um, you would think that they would secure that fourth spot. But <sighs> Well, I don't know, but look a little bit closer in this, right? Boston, okay, went quite big in the trade deadline, made some yeah. key moves. Also, Tuka Rask is back for them in goal. He came off the back the other day, got a win. Um, so I think they've got some big pieces. They've also got less games than New York Rangers. Um, New York Rangers didn't do a lot in the trade deadline. Yes, they got a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, we'll come on to it why worked. that might, might not be great now with the OHL cancelled. And they've also been securing terms with their current players. So just bagging them for next season yeah. or whatever. Um, but New York Rangers, are, you know, they're going through their rebuild. They've had some very high draft picks. They've had, you know, people coming in, Capo, Caco, um, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, players like that. They've got a new goal tending in. You know, they are a team on the up along with established players like Panarin and as uh, Zabinajad and players like that. So they are a team that, you know, you're not gonna you're not quite at the point where you're willing to start selling off assets of the future to bolster your team because you're not really in a win now mode, but you're tipping up kind of into that direction. So they're, you know, this is a bit of a show me year for the New York Rangers. And it's, you know, if they miss out on the playoffs, it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, that's not the be all and end all for them. They had a tough, you know tough parts of the season that have kind of got them into this place but they you know I would expect them to not well they didn't do much in trade deadline as you said but it's not the be all and end all for them whether they get into the playoffs much as I'm sure they would like maybe to. maybe they just didn't need to because you know we again no. we look at New York Rangers and Boston have both got a four game winning streak right now so what, what they're doing, who they have is working and they're both chasing it. I would say that there is one team in the East which could be the key for both Boston and New York Rangers Ooh. because both of them are playing this team multiple occasions. Please Boston tell me it's Buffalo. are playing them three times and New York Rangers are playing them twice and you are correct. It is Buffalo Sabres. You mean the Buffalo Sabres have a purpose? 
They have a purpose. Uh, oh, absolutely. If they can kind of it. beat Boston, if they can beat New York <laughs> Rangers, it could really be the team that tips up the cart. Do they play? Sorry, did they? Did you say they play them the same amount of times? No. So let me oh, just no. run through. So yeah, Boston have, I'm only looking at the next couple of weeks because yeah. I think with COVID protocol yeah, yeah, and yeah, cancellations, yeah. it's too far. Whoever plans more than a week ahead these days. Exactly. Right. So the next couple of weeks, Boston play, um, sorry, Buffalo times three, hmm. Pittsburgh times two and Buffalo times two. So actually I got that wrong. They played Buffalo five times. Okay. Whoa. New York Rangers have New York Islanders. They have Philadelphia twice. They have yes. Buffalo twice. And then they have a doubleheader with New York Islanders again. I would argue that New York Rangers uh, have the tougher run. Yeah, um, I'm not liking that as much. Out of this, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they've got less games in hand. So they don't really have any room for error. Um, and you would say that Boston, have they got more experience, you know, to kind of be set for adversity oh yeah everything that i said about the new york rangers does not apply to the boston bruins i can't imagine any boston bruins fan that would not be happy if they missed out on the playoffs this year i mean they are a team that again they traded for taylor hall i mean they are not you know they're not trading for taylor hall if they're not thinking they're getting into the playoffs can you imagine that can you imagine if taylor hall traded to the boston bruins then doesn't even get into the playoffs oh my god that guy's snake bit like I mean, it's not going to happen because they are going to make the playoffs because it's Boston. But, yeah, I mean, that series against Buffalo is going to be fascinating. And uh, I don't know how they're... I don't know what kind of inspiration you can kind of gather. There's no Jack Eichel, so there's no kind of that X factor um, for Buffalo. And they just want that season to be over. I just want to throw in a bit of a a what if, you Mm. know, a bit of a, a wild situation that could potentially occur. Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm not quite sure fully on their form. Currently, they're on, they've lost their last game. Um, Pittsburgh have got a fairly rough run as well. They've got seven games in the next 14. So they've got three games against New Jersey Devils, two against Boston, and two against Washington Capitals. A little bit of a deeper look. And, and they're only three points up above Boston at the mm. moment in third place. So two it's still pretty, still pretty tight. Yeah. Um, when I look a bit deeper, so I look at how do the Pittsburgh Penguins fare this season against the Capitals? Because they've got two games against them. Well, actually, yeah. the Penguins do better against the Caps. They have won four um, compared to Caps winning two. Although mm. a couple of those went to overtime. One went to a shootout. Um, Pitt- Pittsburgh Penguins against Boston, though, opposite way round. Boston have won four of the games and Pens have only won two. So you would argue there that with those two games against Pittsburgh, if you had to put money on who's going to win those, if Boston win both those games and get four points, that changes the situation where Boston enter into third and Pittsburgh mm. drop to fourth, right? So it's, um, I think it's, it's really, really interesting. Every day I will be checking to see right, where are we at right now with the yeah. East? Because I do think that is just up and down, like more like a game of snakes and ladders. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, to be honest, I can't see the uh, the New York Rangers kind of passing Boston. I think if, if they were 
they were level on games played maybe at this stage you might think they've got a chance but I think it's going to be hard to think that Boston are going to lose both of their games in hand yeah so you'd think the point swing is going to be too much at this at this stage in the season but the positioning within that mass mutual east um in the top four is going to be really interesting and of course you've got the potential of a washington pittsburgh first round which would be cracking you've got a potential of boston versus new york islanders now correct me if i'm wrong but didn't the islanders beat boston last year year before or something like that in the playoffs i think but anyway two kind of physical teams experienced teams teams with kind of coaches who've had many many years experience of the playoffs and yeah i i think it's going to be a brutal division to get out of Mm, i mean i've put um those those uh, two games of Pittsburgh and Boston as in my ones to watch uh, file as well, twenty uh, fifth and twenty seventh of April. You've also um, got, I mean, just alone, just hockey fans watching those games. You've got Sidney Crosby, you've got Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, you've got Taylor Hall. Again, goaltending is going to be key because it's a bit of a question mark for both those franchises right now with just injuries although Tristan Jari coming back and looking a little bit more like the Tristan Jari we expected and the the one that the pen certainly expected has helped them um and for Boston as you said Tukaras coming back what's he going to be like he's had a long layoff and it's been a, a tough year for him remember of course he left the bubble last year um for kind of personal reasons so it's been a real up and down year for for Tuka Rask, but he will be an X factor coming back at this stage in the season as any goaltender of his caliber would be. So then, if we recap and look at what our predictions are, let's okay. just stick with um, Mass Mutual East, okay? The four teams you think are going to go through to the playoffs, and also what order? Just what you think? Really, about you want that. you want the order? I want the order. Because oh, uh, so Abby Abby's um, shared hers and it goes Washington Caps, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Islanders, and then Boston Bruins. I'm going to say Caps, New York Islanders. So sticking the same one and two, I'm going to put Bruins as three and Pittsburgh Penguins as four. Hmm. So, by the way, if you're listening... And you would Sorry, like silence to share, doesn't make a good podcast, does no, it? Sorry. Whilst, whilst he's thinking, if you would like to share with us your predictions yeah. um, at NHL Fans From Afar, we're on Twitter. And do it um, now, because the, the the more days you wait, the less validili- validity, if that's even a word, we give to those answers, because you've had more data than we've got. Um, I am... Uh, uh, well, you've got more games, haven't you? <laughs> you predicted you're going into the future um oh god uh, the thing i'm toying with at the moment i'm pretty sure boston will um i think boston will get third place and the thing i'm toying with is between washington and the new york islanders and the, washington's goaltending has been not good this year and vanacek and samsonov are real question marks going into this I have a feeling and my prediction is going to be that the Islanders take top spot off the Capitals who will come in second and then I think I'm going to go with that Pittsburgh and Boston stay where they are. So I'm actually going to go with Pittsburgh in three, Boston in four. So then when we look at 
central. Okay, we're kind of throwing the coin really between oh, I'm Dallas. I'm tired after doing one. Can we just not do one a week? <laughs> <laughs> Dallas and Nashville. I mean, I put my money on a very bruised and battered Nash. Uh, sorry, Dallas. Are you? You're back in back in the stars. I I I mean, it's. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you kind of have to toy up with who you want to go through and who you think is going to go through. They um, might have playoff run last year. He didn't need another one. <laughs> I, I think um, Dallas, for me, are on a three-game winning streak. I think that they can get the job done. I think they've got more depth in their goalies. I think that they've got more experience in dealing with adversity and playing through being mm. banged up. I think that they'll be able to get through. Where they'll, where they'll be able to go through afterwards, I don't know. They certainly do have the story on their side, don't they? And we are going to need, we need a story, a kind of a, a getting into the playoff story and the Dallas one would be very good considering where they came from and all the COVID adversity they've had to deal with. But I, ah, sorry, Matt. I, I think, I think because of, Likewise, for their own sake, Nashville have also had an incredible turnaround and from going from being a seller at the trade deadline to where they are now to be favourites to take that fourth spot. I'm going to tip it to Nashville, but I mean, yeah, it is toss of a coin stuff, really. Brilliant. And then over in the West, I put here Arizona. Are you not versus... going to go through your, your top ones in the central? No. Because it's no. pretty, it's it's just it's irrelevant. Do you think Tampa will finish third in that division? Yeah, I don't. I think I, they're going to finish top. I didn't actually look at who they're playing um, next or or what their their streak is at the moment. I don't think it was like kind of any kind of standout figure. Um, yeah. I think no. I think it'll be yeah. Them well, they'll all be obviously pushing for the top. But I have a feeling that Tampa are just going to take it up a gear in these final few weeks and show us what a team they really are because remember Tampa are the team that shouldn't exist because they're the team that exist because they managed to hide Kucherov's salary on LTIR for the year like I know it means they haven't had Kucherov but I just think that team is so good and Vasilevsky is such a he's the I think I think and correct me if I'm wrong but I think he's the only goaltender in the NHL that I would trust night in night out just because he he just does not seem to have very many off nights. Like he's so good. I've not seen which goalies are in, what injuries, who they're playing, but it looks like Tampa have had a bit of a rough ride in the past couple of weeks. So yeah, they've got a game they against lost Carolina to times. tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they won against um, Carolina last night, but in overtime, mm. um, they lost to Florida. They uh, won over Florida in overtime and then they were thrashed by Nashville 7-2 mm. so it's a bit that's that just shows how tight it is between yeah. Yeah. Florida and Carolina I mean coming up they've got another game against Carolina as we said earlier uh, they've got two games against, against Columbus which I'd say a must win a game against Chicago another must win and then they've got our favourite team Dallas mm. so oh, um, fun Fun, fun, fun. It is, it is. I, I mean, I think that's a fair point about deciding which seeding in Central. Carolina, Florida, Tampa. Woof. I mean, yeah. It, uh, literally, you're just closing your eyes and doing pintail on the donkey at this stage, I think. I'm going, I'm going Tampa, Carolina, Florida, Nashville. Tampa, Carolina, Florida, Florida Nashville. Nashville. 
Oof. I'm gonna... I am all for that Carolina Florida first round series. That would be. Yeah. I'm so actually good. I'm actually going to stick with Carolina Florida yep. Tampa Dallas. Very good. In the West, okay. So the 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 big talking point really is between Arizona and St. Louis Blues. St. Mm. Louis Blues clearly have the toughest run. They've got a few injuries. Um, uh, they've got games that are postponed now, so it's kind of their stop-start momentum. Is the, um, do you know if the COVID protocol's on their side? Sorry, no, I haven't seen on, anything about it's it. It's on Colorado. Right, yeah. okay, okay. So, um, you know, who, who's going to take fourth, Arizona or St. Louis Blues? In my predictions, I've actually put Arizona. I think that St. Louis Blues have really? got too many cards stacked against them, but I would add the caveat that I don't, think Arizona are going to go any further when they get to the playoffs. Right. Yeah. You know, if they've got to play against Carolina, Tampa or Florida, I think, I think they're doomed really that they're not going to get through well, a playoff series <laughs> against them. I, I don't think they're going to get through a playoff series against Vegas. <laughs> and, that's, and that's first up. So, oh, sorry. I think that, yeah. Yeah. I think they'll <laughs> quite, I, I think, I don't think they'll get through to the next round, but yeah, um, absolutely. Vegas, by the way, get this. I want a seven game winning streak That's no wonder so they are the first team to get that playoff spot yeah they they are so good and they they're a team that are just waiting for the playoffs and they're doing it right they've got a great goalie tandem although Lennon's had his struggles this year but um yeah i just, i i just, disagree oh go on on the arizona st louis well, just to give you a little bit, another reason that I'm going for Arizona, look at the run that Arizona have coming up. They have Minnesota, not yeah, so great. Tough. They have LA, they have two against San Jose Sharks, and then they have two against Vegas. Um, Are we Vegas... ruling out the San Jose Sharks? Are we saying that they're definitely done? San they... Jose Sharks can write uh, hate mail to me, but I, <laughs> I thought it was too big a task. Four for points. Four points. And they've got a game in hand over Arizona. It would take St. Louis kind of, you know, tanking their games in hand, really, and absolutely messing that up. But then between them and Arizona, I don't know. I just, I think they're, again, I love, I love stories. And can you imagine the kind of the San Jose, let's give it one last push. Come on, Patrick Marlowe, let's, let's do this. Wouldn't it be incredible? I mean, I don't think they're going to. They sold at the deadline. Dubnik went and, you know, that's not a, somebody of a team who think they can get there. But um, So what is your answer? You know, uh, My answer is St. Louis. I think they've got three games. I'm not. I'm honestly not trying to just pick different ones to you, but uh, St. Louis Blues have got three games in hand over Arizona. There's only one point difference in it. Their points percentage is better than Arizona's is. And I think that given those three games, I know that they're likely to be delayed. And given the fact that the COVID protocol issue was on the Colorado side and St. Louis have had COVID problems in the past, so therefore you would imagine they're not going to have them again. Uh, yeah, I think three games in hand, you can just get, take those to overtime and lose and still make up that difference. So St. Louis Blues will get in there, obviously then Minnesota and Colorado and Vegas. Yeah, Do you think Colorado absolutely. will uh, summit to Vegas? Uh, no, not with their COVID protocol. I was yeah, more I concerned really whether yeah. Minnesota would go continue their winning streak and overtake Colorado. But it's quite there's five the points gap. in it at the moment and Colorado have got a game in hand. The gap between Arizona and Minnesota is like 14 points. That is insane. Like nobody, I, I would love to know if you did, but I don't think anyone had Minnesota being this comfortably in the playoffs. 
No, absolutely. And I mean, no I think I think that is, for me, it, it's really fascinating. I have made a bit more time to kind of watch more of their games as well, because I know so little about Minnesota. Yeah. And I think also what is even more interesting, I think you read about the background and what's really firing up these players about what's happening in their state at the moment in mm. terms of justice, you know, in the real yeah, world. Yeah, it's huge. And I think these these players carry a lot of the weight of we kind of we hold a responsibility for our community in yeah. keeping them going and keeping them fired up so i think there's something there's more fire in their belly which has given them that extra oomph or maybe they're just a team that have just quietly been doing their thing for many yeah. years building 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 you know they're just a team that have fancy hairstyles and then woo they suddenly come back into the fold. One other just little thing to mention on those teams, because they're teams that we have talked about already, but with uh, both Dallas and also um, Minnesota, they've got players who are kind of fighting for that Calder Trophy and that Rookie of the Year um, award. And you've got, you know, for Minnesota, Kaprasov has just been outstanding. I mean, that player is just incredible. You know, he's got goals in his last two games, but uh, he... The way he scores those goals is quite astounding. And then over in Dallas, you've got the kind of wonder kid in Jason Robertson, who's got, you know, goals, goals galore this season and just looks such a, has been such a great goal scoring threat for the Dallas Stars. And, you know, I think those things have also got to factor in because when you're looking for those individuals to really push right to the end, then those guys have got a real big personal incentive. So don't be surprised if Minnesota, although they are quite happy sitting pretty there, you know, don't think that Kaprasov's going to take his uh, foot off the gas because remember, of course, playoffs don't count towards those um, trophies. So it's all about the regular season. So in the North Division at the moment, we've got Toronto, Winnipeg and Edmonton are pretty close. There's a point between them and then Montreal. I'm pretty much like certain that it's going to pretty much stay the same. I'd maybe flip Edmonton and Winnipeg, but in terms of the playoff seeding, it doesn't really make a difference whether you're second or third. I'd keep Montreal in that fourth spot. Are you saying then that you would see anybody else in that fourth spot? Calgary, for instance. I think you've made a very good point, by the way, about home ice advantage in the North Division, given that there are no fans and there's not going to be any fans. Like home advantage in that stage of the, the competition literally means nothing. When it comes to America and coming out of Canada, that's going to be really interesting because, of course, you are going to be in a scenario where Canadian teams have empty stadiums and American teams have full stadiums or you know, partially full stadiums. So home ice, home ice advantage Who'd have thought, hey, like home ice advantage would be, yes, back to our rink where it's empty and quiet. <laughs> um, the North, yeah, uh, Toronto, Winnipeg and Edmonton will make it. Uh, what order, who knows? Toronto seem to be doing everything they can to, to throw away top spot, but I think they probably will get there. Winnipeg, Edmonton, you're right, interchangeable, probably doesn't matter a huge amount. The only thing with Calgary is they, every every game, and I've watched a couple of Calgary Flames games recently, um, not just when they played the Leafs, but every game that they play, the commentators and the pundits always say, must win for Calgary, must win. They've got to win this one to stay in the race for the playoffs. And inevitably, they have. <laughs> and they have kept that uh, going. And Markstrom looks hugely improved. Um, recently in goal for them and he was their real X factor he was their reason why and even if you know even if like they don't have 
even if they don't have the players who are going to be there long-term, Johnny Gaudreau, all of those kind of players, whether they're going to be there long-term or not, don't tell me those players aren't still playing for something because they will be trying to prove their coach wrong. And if not, they'll be trying to prove the rest of the league why they deserve to be elsewhere and why they deserve to be on a, a contending team. So I just think that Calgary under Daryl Sutter may stand a chance of toppling the Habs and the Habs have not looked good recently. So I am going to go with, oh, but the Habs have got two games advantage. Well, no, no, the Habs are going to make it. They've got two games in hand and there's six points. I think what's really interesting no, about Calgary's um, game schedule coming up, just just to note, what uh, another one that I put is not it's a one to watch, but I don't know. I'm not so crazy about it. It could change things up, but Calgary and Montreal have got a three game series coming up this weekend. Twenty twenty third, Calgary and Montreal. Oh, three so, game series. Whoever wins those three games or, or how it tips, oh, I think, yeah. will be a huge decider. But what's more interesting, I think, is Calgary are, um, as a result of the extended season, they're playing incredibly late. So they yeah. are playing all the way through to the 19th of May. But it does mean that they've got like um, a week where they only play Winnipeg once for the whole of the week then they have two games for the whole of another week and then there's three games for the last week so they've kind of got a bit more time to catch up with themselves if they need to regroup if they need to rethink but I mean it's been an interesting one watching Calgary this season because they as you say they've got all the pieces they've got great veteran players they've got great skills but there's something that isn't lighting the fire in the belly, belly see, in the same way that we were talking Minnesota have. So mm-hmm. it's down to these veteran players to kind of generate that want, that will to really make it happen. Like with their schedule, it's so different, say, from Dallas Stars schedule, which is just every day, every other day you play a game, but it's over a lot sooner. Dallas um, season currently ends on the 10th or the 11th of May. Calgary season finishes on the 19th of May. That's a lot more days to still be continuing the season. And can you imagine if you're the Calgary Flames coach and you're going into that Montreal series, you're essentially telling your team, you have got three games. Treat this as a mini series. If you come out and win these three games, you are in the playoffs. Mm. And that is how you sell it to them. And whether that is true or not, that what a motivator for that team who have had an absolute kicking this year in terms of being such a disappointment given the fact of you know I know they lost a couple of players but they added players too and I I just you know you've got a coach there who is a Stanley Cup winning coach he's obviously come in with a you know a, a with a caliber of, of winning and whether you agree with how he coaches and the, the kind of strategy and all that kind of stuff him, Markstrom, and them. I just wonder with the with the Habs faltering, you can imagine that series pushing the pressure right up, and then it will be down to whether the Habs can win their games in hand or not. Well, what gets even better is the last four games of the regular season. Come on, give me are Calgary v 
Vancouver, four game series. And uh, that could really tip things up. Basically, Vancouver, if Vancouver get themselves together, get back to winning, they're currently on a win streak of one. Calgary have lost two of their last games. If Vancouver could upset the apple cart, just like Buffalo Sabres could, you know, in, in the East, Vancouver could really upset it and maybe even if you know Calgary go lose this three game series against Montreal and they lose some of the other games in between with Winnipeg and then they lose any of these games against Vancouver that could really like Calgary's place in the um playoffs could be decided in those four games against Vancouver and that could go all the way through to the 19th of May and hey if Holby plays like he did the other night, then Vancouver have got five games in hand over Montreal. And what do you do if you win five games with two points? That's 10 points. That's the gap between Montreal and Vancouver. Now, that would be the flipping second miracle on ice if that happened and they made it into the playoffs. But again, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're Travis Green and you're sitting there and you're thinking, hey, let's go make history. Let's be the talking point in Canada again in the playoffs. I put a few wins together and who knows, that wagon might start rolling. And I, I mean, who knows? Wouldn't it be funny, as we've said over the last couple of weeks, uh, North Division a bit boring now in the standings, like you know, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, probably Montreal, blah, blah, blah. And then wouldn't it be amazing if it came down to this kind of insane, like three horse race between Montreal, the Flames and, and this kind of crazy stampede of Vancouver coming over the hill right at the back. Like it would be amazing to watch. I hope it doesn't happen because that means they're going to be tearing points off the Leafs left, right and centre. But it would be as a spectator and as neutral, that would be absolutely what I'm cheering for. Mm. We need a big, we need a big comeback story. We need a team to come out of here that we're not expecting. And that's why I mentioned San Jose earlier, because wouldn't it be great if one of these teams who we haven't even picked as a potential somehow went on a heater and just snuck in at the end? Well, I will um, tweet our ones to watch uh, games for the next couple of weeks, some of these seasons. So you can just pin that and um, catch up over the weekend, uh, even if you're just watching game recaps and they're not your teams might be interesting. And we're really interested, you know, if you are an Arizona, St. Louis Blues, Dallas, Nashville, uh, Boston, New York Rangers, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver fan, this is your time. Come (laughs) on with your fighting talk and get in contact with us. You can be anonymous if you want to be. Um, Just don't pretend to be a fan of another team and then actually lie. But let's round that off. Okay, so that is going to be a bonkers end to what's been a bonkers season. Elsewhere, in a couple of other pieces of news, so... I've got OHL and I've got Man Crush of NHL history. We've got um, to go with we've got to go with that first. Man Crush of NHL history. I mean, who this I didn't know that the record for the most NHL games played was actually set on the 26th of November 1961. That shows how yeah. long this sport has been going on for. I mean Let me give you let me give you five names, right? Ron Francis. Right. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Pretty good name. Pretty good name. Also uh, GM of the Seattle Kraken, by the way. Um, Yaramir Yaga, Mark Messier, Gordy Howe. Na- I mean, you're kind of you're kind of naming the best of the best. You throw in Gretzky in there and you've got an ultimate team. Right. The thing that <laughs> the person we're talking about has beaten all of those players on 
is the NHL's all-time leader in games played. And that goes to your Mr. Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks, who achieved his 1,768th game last night. And what is so astonishing, as Claire said, you know, that record was set back in, was it the 60s, did you say? 1961. 1961. What is astonishing about that is not only that anybody can play a game as physical and as intense as NHL ice hockey at the top level of their sport for that many games. I mean that you are looking at the very best of the very best to get into the NHL. And then you have to be the very best of the very best of the very best to ever even get onto that all time games played. The thing that always amazes me about Patrick Marlowe, and he has done this, he's got over the line with this is his Ironman streak that goes alongside these games played. This man has got an Ironman streak as old as some players in the league. Like <laughs> he has been playing hockey night in, night out without missing a game. I mean, how? How does somebody who plays NHL ice hockey for 1,768 games, and I can't remember what his streak is up to now, but it's something ridiculous, it's, um, like 800 and something. 899, because every game counts. 899 games without missing a minute of the game and playing every single night. How does somebody playing a sport like ice hockey not twist an ankle? I think break you a know, finger. It's so interesting. Face? You were saying about like, I mean, he's played in the NHL for 23 seasons, right? And it's so yeah. funny that you say there are people playing in the NHL, yeah. who weren't even born when nope. he started. It's brilliant. Austin Matthews was like, so he's, he's essentially was born when Marlowe started playing in the NHL, which means that for the entirety of Austin Matthews' life or a player of a similar age to him, <laughs> Patrick Marlowe has been playing every other night. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I just cannot apart, get apart my head from, around it. Apart from the lockout seasons. Yeah. But. I mean, if anyone deserved a break, it was him. Like, <laughs> I just, the, the, the ability to do it, and he was asked in his press conference last night about it, and there were some fantastic tributes from players all across the league and, and, and people and everybody who quite rightly marked what an incredible achievement that is. Because if you've got anything bad to say about Patrick Marlow, he's achieved more in, in his life than most of us could ever dream to achieve in you know perseverance and all of that kind of stuff. But some of the, you know, some of the comments last night were just, you know, what a great teammate he has been. And I guess when you are that driven and when you are that, um, when you can compete at that level for that long, it can probably do some quite strange things to your head. And certainly, you know, I'm sure there are some pretty big egos in professional sport, but from everything that I read and everything that I've known um, and read before about Patrick Marlowe is just about what an incredible teammate that that guy is and what an incredible person. I mean, when he was at the Leafs, barring his contract, which was such a shame that that was a mil kind of a, you know, a noose around his neck really with Leafs fans. But other than that, there was nothing you ever heard about Patrick Marlowe that wasn't just what a great influence he is and what a great teammate he is and what a great influence he was on younger players. And seeing, I would have loved to have seen him carry on and get this record with the Leafs, but isn't it so fitting and fantastic to see him in that Sharks uniform 
getting the plaudits that he deserved. And the last few weeks, every single team who he has played against has been, you know, shaking his hand and giving him a guard of honour as he's gone through because they all know, those players know just what an achievement, a Herculean effort that is to achieve what he has done. Incredible. I mean, just like recapping, you know, he has got a silver medal in the world champs. He's got two gold medals in the world champs. He's a two-time Olympic gold um, medal dude as well. Um, You know, he's been in the all-star competition three times. Thing is, he hasn't got a Stanley Cup. Now, does this mean, this record, that he will be able to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, yeah. Is, the, this is his door into the Hockey Hall of Fame, despite he hasn't got a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing that he only costs the cap for San Jose Sharks £700,000. What a snatch. Imagine if he was on the Leafs at 700k. <laughs> I think what I find more impressive is quite often when you see the guys who have played in the league a long time, Near the end of their career as well, you know, you look at Chari, look at Joe Thornton, they have to start bouncing around teams a bit more, don't they? But his record of staying with the San Jose Sharks with a bit of a time in Toronto. He did go to Pittsburgh as well. He did have a, he did have a brief time in Pittsburgh, but can you, I mean, can you blame somebody, can you blame somebody like that at the stage that he is of his career? He does not want to be that person who, when people talk about, goes, oh, he played all those games, what an amazing player, but never won a cup, did he? Never won a cup. Mm. Like, you would do, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete in any way, <laughs> like like they are, so I can't think like they do, but if I try to, I can't imagine there is much that would stop you at the stage in that he is in his career doing everything that he can to try and win a cup. And if he is still playing night in, night out, albeit on not a great team, but he is still playing night in, night out, there is nothing to say that he can't do that for years to come. Like, look at the likes of, you know, I'm going to use the Leafs because they're the example I know on this occasion, but, you know, look at the likes of Jason Spezza, look at the likes of Joe Thornton, look at the likes of others who, Corey Perry, others who've gone around the league and, okay, they are not top line players anymore, but tell me, in the playoffs, who you'd prefer on your fourth line? Would you prefer Corey Perry or would you prefer, you know, Joe Thornton or Jason Spezza or Patrick Marlowe? Or would you prefer some guy who's bouncing between the AHL and the NHL? Well, in the playoffs, I want those guys with experience every day of the week. So I just hope that he, I can't see it happening in San Jose, but I just hope that he gets that chance again to to go for a cup. But even even if he doesn't, you know, the guy the guy will go down as an all-time legend for the, the kind of the incredible career that he has had. Mm. Come back to the Leafs, Patrick, next year. We'll <laughs> pay you 800 grand. I knew you were going to say that. So look, you know, step back in time, 1997. I mean, Jolon probably Ooh. wasn't even born in 1997. Was, uh, five? Five. five. Oh my God, that's absolutely embarrassing. I mean, I was buying cassette tapes of like Oasis uh, Blur, I mean, 97 or was it 95 when it was the Battle of Blur and Oasis? It was the Britpop era in, in the UK. I don't it know, was the I was end of Thomas the Tank. The like. end of like the, uh, you know, the Mud Honey um, Nirvana eras in, in America. But that Good. was when <laughs> Patrick Marlowe was 
picked uh, second in round one overall by San Jose Sharks in the NHL draft. Um, and looking at how the draft may have just got a little bit more complicated this season, you know, we are not really the podcast that talk about the AHL, um, about the ECHL, the OHL, all these other leagues that are slightly, um, you know, further afield from the NHL. But it is the feeding farm that kind of shows where the NHL is going. Um, and OHL have cancelled their season. Um, you know, they, they've basically just called it a day. They can't sort out a date to return to play because in Ontario, the number of cases of coronavirus have been increasing. Um, also, the um, stay-at-home order has been extended there. Um, interesting as well, you know, there are lots of different leagues in Canada um, that are kind of these places where a lot of the players who go on to become draft picks play. I mean, you look at WHL, that's where Patrick Marlowe came from, okay? WHL um, is like the OHL in Canada. They started their season on February the 26th. And, um, you know, actually, no, so it's not WHL, it's the QMJHL. It's the one over in the French side of Canada. They've got 18 teams, and those teams have played between 26 and 43 games. I mean... That's a big difference, isn't it? 26 and 43. <laughs> so you can see what these, you know, the lower leagues are having to deal with. Mm. Um, and these are youngsters as well. So they basically called it a day. And, and we were kind of thinking, gosh, what, what does that mean? You know, last um, year, 2020, um, five of the first round picks came from the OHL. So scouts aren't going to be seeing these guys playing. I mean, hopefully some of the guys who are ready to step up from OHL to AHL will still get some ice time. But we also see um, about Liam Kirk as well. We discussed him a few weeks ago, um, him getting the chance to play with Sheffield Steelers over here in the UK, looking towards the world champs with Team GB. But pretty much by the OHL cancelling their season, it's the end of his time with uh Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. Pittsburgh Pete's. Oh, Pete's and Pirates. Pizza? Pizza Pirates. <laughs> Pizza Pirates. Pizza it's Pirates. a new team. <laughs> so, um, I mean, someone who will go into much more detail if you are curious about what this means, how it affects, will be Mark and Caitlin on Hockey Across the Pond. These guys. I can't even imagine. Never... I think they're probably going to go into morning, aren't they? I'm sure. Like... I think so. Yeah. Do they yeah. go into a 30-minute silence? Is that how a podcast in morning works? <laughs> but I think also... But, it, but in all seriousness, like, that is, you know, Liam Kirk is a, is a story that we are obviously interested in and invested in because he's he's British and he's from, you know, he's kind of that great story from here. But there are hundreds of Liam Kirks across North America and in the OHL and in other leagues who are, you know, their entire futures are just being absolutely... <laughs> mixed up like you would not believe to a point where the NHL draft is going to be like a lottery this year like mm. it is just going to be like lottery tickets and you know the players will still get drafted but we could we I'm sure in years to come who knows when when we're old and doddery and doing a podcast about the NHL when we're in our you know 60s we can look back and we can say remember the draft of 2021 when you know all those Stanley Cup winning players went in the seventh round <laughs> It's it's feasible. It could happen this year because of the craziness that, you know, what's the point in having a scouting department? They've got nothing to scout. Like, it's going to be tough. I mean, even even more bad news is the fact that New Jersey Devils have dropped their franchise. Uh, Binghamton Devils 
Um, it was announced today. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know where that yeah, goes. Okay. But I mean, if you are ever curious and you're kind of just getting into the NHL and wondering how do they kind of harvest and get these players who kind of step up, looking at which teams have a franchise, whether it's in the same city, whether it's a franchise which is based across the other side of the country, um, what kind of relationship they have, whether they have the same name or not, it is really interesting. And it really, I think, gives us a sense of like, so what will the NHL be like? I think it won't really hit the NHL to maybe three, four, five seasons time. You know, so that's kind of where you have to think what happens in the OHL, the AHL, it has a knock on effect in the next five years, um, because ultimately quality of players will will drop off. Yeah, yeah, it could do. It's going to be a real test. It's going to be unknown, isn't it, as to how that effect is or how this is going to affect young players. It might have less of an effect than we think. You know, the talent might be there and it might just flourish when they get into those NHL teams and AHL teams next year and all being well. We have full seasons and it's not as big a blip as as perhaps um, could be made out. But yeah, it's going to it's gonna hit at some point. There's going to be this weird draft class of 2021 that's going to come through and is going to be like nothing that, you know, we can compare to other years. Um, tough time if you're, if you know, if you're a team that's rebuilding right now and you're relying on high draft picks in the first round, it's going to be very, very difficult to pinpoint exactly who. I, genuinely, do you know, I couldn't tell you who the, the pro- top prospect is. Because you know how normally this time of year we're always we always know like is it Capo Caco or Jack Hughes or is it Lafreniere versus whoever it was I can't remember now bad but you know um, Michael McDavid and all of those kind of other names there's always a kind of couple of names who are fighting for that first overall pick I genuinely could not tell you a single person who is up for the draft this year and I don't know whether that's just my ignorance or whether that is just that it's not really out there and nobody's really talking about it because I, I just think it's a season where there's just so many ups and yeah. downs and you're like is there a game on tonight is there not I mean I was waiting to see whether there was a Toronto game on Sunday night because I pran- planned my evening all around getting ready to watch a bit of the game before I went to bed and then watch it the next day and then I was yeah. like oh my god Vancouver still haven't returned what if the game's not going to go ahead and then it did and I was like great and then I accidentally saw the score anyway nah. so I'm like, really annoyed but, you know, first world uh, problems. Um, I think it would be very interesting. Hopefully, we cross our fingers that we can have Matt Day, Dallas fan on next week. We can find out, you know, you mentioned there about teams that are rebuilding and wanting a lot of picks. Detroit Red Wings are going to be completing their four game series with Dallas. How will Matt be feeling? Mm. Uh, by this time next week we'll find out what he is saying and see how confident he is against that big matchup that'll be heading to him the following week against Nashville um, and see whether he turns up with fighting talk or depleted I can't look kind of uh, attitude I I don't know from knowing Matt as long as I have he very rarely ever has fighting talk when it comes to confidence in his own sporting teams I mean he's a Spurs fan so he's really going through a tough time at the moment with his football team and everything and so uh, he's been through a tough tough week in fact I messaged him about the Stars the other day and he said sorry I'm I'm so wrapped up in the fact that my football team are getting an absolute kicking from the entire world right now that uh, he hasn't even looked at the Stars but um, I do need to say I think it's worth and we'll mention it next week but you know uh, our regular season on our um, NHL fans from afar fantasy hockey league finished 
which la- this time last year was the end of it because, of course, we all went into lockdown and everything and the hockey game, uh, hockey was paused. But congratulations to uh, to Matt. And I'd much prefer to do this on a podcast that he's not on because then I don't have to actually hear his reaction and see his face. But, um, yeah, he absolutely stormed our uh, our little fancy league we did with some other uh, fans of the show. Um, and it's great fun to do, but he's just too freaking good. So if we could do it next year, but just not tell him, that would be great. <laughs> Well, we will hopefully tell her about the podcast next week. And you can tell us what you're thinking as well. Mm. Are you feeling very confident? Are you feeling smug? Are you feeling nervous? Are you someone who has a lot of draft picks? And now you're thinking, oh, damn it. Magic <laughs> now beans. what do we do? Steve Dangle calls them magic beans. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Maybe your magic beans just lost a little value. Let us know your thoughts at NHL fans from afar and email if you wish to do that. So we are NHL fans from afar at gmail.com. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode uh, from me, Claire, from Jolon in his I will be on time. suit. Yes. I will be on time. I've actually got a Toronto's cap that is coming in the post. Um, yeah, I, it's the first time I've ever bought a sports cap. But after nice. basking in the English sun in the yeah. last few days, I decided it wasn't sunglasses I needed. I needed a nice little beak. And I thought if I was going to have a cap with a yes. beak, it had to be a Toronto cap. So, Oh, very good. I'm I will- uh, <laughs> in, a, in a moment of madness uh, in the middle of a night shift because that's the worst time to ever go internet shopping. I bought a, um, I bought a Joe Thornton um joan thornton leafs reverse retro jersey from uh from the sports shop in canada in toronto <laughs> i bought it five weeks ago it still hasn't arrived and since that point joe thornton's points have dropped off an absolute cliff to the point that he may not even make the starting roster come playoff time but yet the money's gone but uh still no jersey yet so talk about that stewing on a impulse purchase that i should never have done (laughs) it'll all be worth it if they win the cup though it's fine that's what i keep telling myself well it's okay i will doff my cap to you next week your leafs cap very good good day sir and good day to you listening thank you 